Hi everyone, welcome to Eat Drink Social, a podcast about social influencers in the food and beverage industry. My name is Courtney Sandora and you'll be hearing from myself and members of the IPG team. IPG stands for Influencer PR Group and is a division of Go Social. We have offices in Louisville, Kentucky and Denver, Colorado. If you have any questions, you can find us at ipgagency.com or on social at IPG Agency. Welcome to Eat Drink Social. Uh, we're here with John Edwards of Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Uh, John's partner in crime, Zeke Baker, isn't with us today, but we're super excited still, still to have John on. He is based in Nashville. He, he covers whiskey. They have every, everything from a podcast to t-shirts to a great website. And so we're so excited to have you on today to talk a little whiskey and talk a little social media. Thank you so much for having me. And I am sorry, Zeke is the tougher get more people want him. And (laughs) because of that, he he has a more limited schedule. I mean, the Tennessee whiskey trail has a joke that Zeke doesn't exist. And that I just add his voice in and post because I do events with the Tennessee Distillers Guild and Tennessee whiskey trail all year. And Zeke has yet to be at one of those events. (laughs) In in five years. It's just you with a stronger accent, right? Yeah, I mean, That's I you. start talking like this, and then people think I'm a Zeke. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so speaking of your accent, you're you're originally from Massachusetts, is that correct? I am. So okay. I, I am from Massachusetts, but I, I played football in college, got hurt. They decided not to renew my scholarship, and my best friend was born in Louisville. And I went down to go see a Cats game. And of course, it was basketball. I walked up the floor of Rupp Arena. I might have had a little bit of Jim Beam before. (laughs) And I am like, what am I doing here? This is awesome. And at first, it was like being ridiculed. So like I couldn't be around in, in Lexington and be like, I'm going to my car. So then I had to learn how to say car. But I would I I had this interim time where I I would say vehicle and drinking establishment and things like that, like the grass, not the ad. (laughs) And um, and then I did ESPN radio and the horse racing radio network and Super Talk 96.1 in Lexington. And I knew that I couldn't be like, hey, we're at the bar. We're watching the cats. So like I had to (laughs) practice. And I practiced in the mirror for a very long time until I learned how to say car and yard and bar and kind of have this like me, like kind of have this weird Midwest meets South meets North accent. And so now I just kind of, I'm everywhere. When you drink bourbon, does the Massachusetts come out or? A little bit. And when I talk to my dad, when I, when I talk to my dad on the phone, it gets really bad. (laughs) The, the accent comes out wicked hot. <laughs> so did you find your love for bourbon in Kentucky when you were there? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I was not, I mean, I think everybody has drank, you know, Wild Turkey and Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yes. Tennessee whiskey is a subset of bourbon for all those people that want to have that debate. That debate's so stupid. It's time for it to be over. But, you know, I think we've all had our, our fair share of 80 proofs growing up and uh before we were 21 i know responsible drinking is is a good thing but it happens and uh i I think that's the way that you get introduced to it but moving to kentucky it was like kind of like how in nashville people were sick of going to broadway whenever people came to visit it's like all right we got keeneland or we got distilleries where do you want to go and i've done so many distillery tours, even while I was in college, it was just so easy to go take someone to Buffalo Trace or Woodford or, and um, you start to appreciate and you learn more. And at first it's like, all right, we're going to have Jim Beam or Kentucky Tavern or early times. And then if we're feeling a little bit good, we might go up to Makers. And then if we're feeling really good, we'll go to Woodford. And like, that's what you kind of know when you first start drinking. And then someone's like, Hey, here's Weller and here's Blanton's and here's, you know, 
um, yeah. Pappy and BTAC and all that kind of stuff. And like, you don't have access to all of that now, but when I went to school in Lexington, you definitely did. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I worked on Old Forster. I remember seeing birthday bourbon sitting on the shelves months after it was released. And now it's like you can't get birthday bourbon. Remember when birthday bourbon was $79.99 and now it's yeah. like $150 and it's <laughs> trading for secondary for $800? Like, it is. And, and that's the thing, though. I, I think there are awesome, accessible whiskeys out there that you could still get that are affordable. And places like Brown Foreman are really good at doing that. Um, you know, early times bottled in bond, which I, I believe is not. I think that went over to Sazerac now. Yeah. It did. So that was a great one. And then, you know, all Brown Foreman has a bunch. The, the Old Faux Rye is a great. 20 to 30 dollar pour that's super super good yeah yeah i'm out in colorado now and we're converting everyone to old forester out here because we're like it's so great have you tried old elk yet though yeah actually i just went up and visited them um it was like two weeks ago they're and good they're people i i like them up there and I love the malt. Um, Chattanooga whiskey does the same thing. I mean, it's a little, it's a different thing because they do four um, malted grains, but you know, Greg Metz at Old Elk has that 30 something percent uh, malt in the Mashville and it's super, super unique. And there's a lot of 291 out there in Colorado too is really, really good. Michael is just a killer dude too. Like he's just one of the most chill guys you could ever meet. Yeah, he's got a great story. But um, so I guess, speaking of Kentucky or Tennessee whiskey, you said, let's stop this battle. But my next question was, <laughs> Kentucky or Tennessee whiskey, like, which do you prefer? Or do you not have a favorite? I mean, whiskey is whiskey. Bourbon can be made in all 50 states. You know, people mm -hmm. want to say that bourbon can only be made in, in Kentucky. Well, no, that's, you know, bourbon is America's official spirit. Uh, if you ask Jeff Arnett, the former master distiller at Jack Daniels, Tennessee whiskey is a subset of bourbon. If you look at what people try to claim Tennessee whiskey is, you know, and they say the charcoal filtering and that adds something to the process, I will tell you that guess what? Evan Williams and Heaven Hill charcoal filter their product as well. So the stuff that's on the shelf, like, and you want to use charcoal as an additive, which it is not, it is a filtration method. It takes stuff out. I know this makes me sound super pretentious. I'm not, I'm just like, if you knew the social side, which you're going to get to, and like, yeah. we have the dad's drinking bourbon Facebook group and we have, you know, the dad's drinking bourbon Instagram and there's 25,000 people in the Facebook group and everybody is like, you know, stands on the, on the hill and says, Tennessee whiskey is not a bourbon. I'm like, is that the hill you really want to die on? Like, do we yeah. want to have this argument? It's yeah. whiskey. If you like it, drink it. If you don't, that's fine. But like, it's also Tennessee whiskey is Tennessee whiskey because the Tennessee legislature said it was Tennessee whiskey. If you look at what the TTB and what the U.S. government says, it says Tennessee whiskey is a bourbon. Um, and it's just tight. Like, who cares? If they want to be called Tennessee whiskey, let them be called Tennessee whiskey. Like, if they want to be called bourbon, let it be called bourbon. Like, as long as it's 51% corn and, and all the other, you know, new charred white oak American barrel, all that kind of stuff, all that's the same. Yeah. They really are, you know, hey, Tennessee wants to be, known that it's from Tennessee, but there still are Tennessee bourbons. And what is the only thing that says it's a Tennessee whiskey over a bourbon? It, okay. It goes through the Lincoln County process. Great. Like I'm not saying heaven Hill and, and Evan Williams do the, the Lincoln County process. I mean, they charcoal mellow, but either way or charcoal filter either way, who cares? Like there's bigger things in the world that we could debate. <laughs> And whiskey is supposed to be fun. So, like, you kind of hear me say that. It, it makes it such a chore. It's like, 
guys, we could debate anything else, but like, why does this cause people so much pain? Just chill out and have a drink. Like that's, I, that's I really. I mean, the one thing, so I'm from Chicago, but when I moved to Louisville, I spent the last 15 years there and I saw someone walk into a bar and they, and the, they were like, I want a bourbon. And then they'd order Jack Daniels. I mean, everyone in the bar would just think, no, just get out of here. <laughs> like They're just like, <laughs> you clearly don't know what you're doing. It was like the biggest faux pas you can make. It's a tremendous amount of state pride though, for each state. Yeah. And I could say that being a Kentucky grad living in Tennessee and, and I, love both states. I love the fact that I live in Tennessee. I love all the time I spent in Kentucky and I bleed blue. At the same time, who cares? You know, it's like you you go in there and I I used to I used to get annoyed when I would order a bourbon someplace and they give me Jack Daniels. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know, I would have ordered Tennessee whiskey, but now I'm just like, all right. At that it's point, like, if I'm yeah. drinking it like that, I'm doing it with a yeah. Coke. Like if I'm ordering something neat, I'm not just going to say, give me a bourbon neat. I'm going to be like, give me this specific bourbon neat. So if I say I want a bourbon and Coke or a bourbon and ginger, I really don't care what they're putting in. Like what, what the well is, who cares? True. All right. That's a good point. I'll let it go. Uh, no, so, it's fine. I mean, we could talk about whatever yeah. you want to talk about. <laughs> so well, going back, I want to talk about Zeke. Um, so how did you meet him? kickball so <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> so my um girlfriend at the time my eventual wife was on this kickball team and zeke was on this kickball team as well and it was a, a one girlfriend of my wife's that kind of got everybody together and she's like oh i'm on this kickball team you should join and i was like all right i'll join and for some reason, like people used to bring, you know, those Bud Light beer aritas. Uh -huh, and you got to yeah. remember, like, this was a while ago. This was pre-dad. Yeah. This was pre-kids. This was pre-wedding. <laughs> like, I don't want anybody, like, my life is completely different right now. But people always used to bring those to the game. And one day, Zeke and I decided to shotgun one. And we looked at each other and we were like, did we just become best friends? Like, Aww. and, um, and now it's like the brother I wish I never had. <laughs> now you can't shake him. He, he can be very, very annoying. <laughs> I love him. I love him like a brother, but there are times where I'm like, I love you, but I can't talk to you right now. Would you say your whiskey knowledge is on par with one another or do one of you excel over the other? <laughs> So I am the guy that lives on the details. So I am going to have the knowledge behind a whole bunch of other stuff. The way that I would describe our show to a lot of people is I did sports radio and I took sports radio and brought it to whiskey. So I'm the play-by-play -play guy. He's the analyst. I'm the one who's doing all the show prep. I'm getting like all the info on the whiskey so I'll do a little setup in the beginning and I'll be like, all right, here's the age, here's the proof, here's the mash bill, here's whatever fun facts I know about it. And I'll do that research and put everything together. So I'll look at the press release, which, you know, you know what it's like. The press release is good 25% information you really want and 75% fluff. So I look through to figure that out. And then I'll do some digging to see if I can find some other information on it. And then Zeke kind of pretends to listen to me and then doesn't really. And then he'll ask me to repeat things. So it's almost <laughs> like good for the listener because I'll run through the whole thing and I'll be like, all right, this is Mashville, this is age. And then Zeke's like, now what did you say the age was again? <laughs> we were listening. My husband and I were listening to your four gate podcast and and he was like, did he just say he wasn't listening? <laughs> and I was like, I think he did. <laughs> so we and that's laughing. the other thing that sets us apart, right? Because yeah. it, it really is. I don't know if you guys cuss or not. So I'm going to I'm going to limit the, the cussing. But, you know, it's really two guys giving each other crap, drinking whiskey. It's we want it to feel like it would be your regular table with your friends 
and how you would be discussing whiskey, but we wanted to make sure that there was honesty and integrity behind the whole thing. We didn't want to sit there and be like, Hey, I really want your free samples. So I'm just going to say that everything's good. It's okay to say, again, everybody has different palates. So like your palate's different than my palate. If I were to get, get up and be like, this release is terrible. Well, there's going to be a lot of people that still really like that release. So yeah. I can say it's not agreeing with my palate, but these are the notes I get. So I get this, 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 and this. This isn't my jam, but if you like that, and if you like wine finished whiskey is something that both of us kind of agree that it's, it really dries out the whiskey for me. And, you know, if I wanted to drink wine, I would go drink wine. I think a lot of times brands are like, Hey, we got to a finish. All right, well, let's do wine. You know? And it's like, everybody's done yeah. wine. What, uh, what else can you do? And, but I, I'll give reviews where I'll be like, Hey, I don't like a wine finished whiskey, but if you do, that has been one of the better ones to me. And, uh, you know, so I think it's just knowing that there's not an authority, like nobody can be the official authority because whiskey is subjective. So you arm people with information. We wanted to arm dads. There's a lot of crap on the shelf. And if you can't read a label and if you don't know what's going on there, and especially as prices are rising and rising, at least have an idea. Is this something I want to seek out? Is this something I want to try to get two ounces from a friend and see if I like it first? Or should I go to a bar and take a sip? Because spending 200 to $500 on a really big limited edition release is a lot of money to spend. Yeah. Especially I told you I could talk. Sorry. Yeah, no, I love it. I, so, so how, I mean, you said you're a dad, how many kids do you have? I have one Zeke has two. Okay. And my one, I have a girl, I'm a girl Girl. dad. I love it. Um, She is fearless. So fearless that on Monday night, she broke her collarbone. Oh no. And she's five. She was going down the hill in her bike. And uh, it's my fault because I was kind of letting her go down the hill. And Mm -hmm. I thought she was going down one hill. She snuck off and went down the big hill and then i watched her flip over the front of the bike and eat it <sighs> and trip to the er later and uh and then a trip to the orthopedist the next day and uh she has a broken collarbone and now i'm taking her to dollywood on saturday and uh it's going to be a fun trip with <laughs> a broken collarbone <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the good thing is what I will say is like with us is and I know you're going to bring social up into this but like it's very important for us that everybody sees that we're dads first especially when you have dad in the name it's almost like I want people to see that we're working out we're with the kids we're cooking food we're cleaning up like all aspects yes it's a primarily a bourbon podcast but it's kind of turned into like dad culture at the same time too because i don't want everybody thinking like i'm not drinking whiskey at seven o'clock at night like i'm waiting i might have a pour and i don't drink every day but i might have a pour when she's in bed and like it's like the quiet part of the night and i'm finally getting to sit down i've finished the dishes i've finished cleaning up the kitchen yeah. And I get to go upstairs and it's like, <sighs> let's pour a whiskey. But uh, I'm not sitting there like when she's up, like, hey, time for my <laughs> pour of the day. You know, it's like, it's very I'll much. In a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sophia, hold this bourbon. I'll be right back. No, nah, no, nah. I get it. Um, so, I mean, National Bourbon Day and Father's Day are, are really close. Did, did you plan that? Are you excited about that? I mean, I'm always excited. Father's Day is like our Christmas. When you yeah. when you have a podcast called Dad Trick Bourbon, everybody starts calling you around Father's Day and wants to do stuff with you. Um, 
it's cool. I like Father's Day. I think Father's Day should be every day. Fathers don't always get the respect they deserve, especially ones that are are super, um, you know, that are attentive and that are there. Uh, not kind of getting on a, uh, <laughs> you know, not getting on a tangent, but I think we try to show that we're very present dads as well. You know, like I know everything that's going on. I'm at every game. I'm at every practice. I'm not every day because she actually goes to school the same place that my wife works. Um, you know, but I'm picking her up when I need to and taking her to doctor's appointments. And I think it's important. I think it's important that other parents and other dads see that. And we get messages all the time. I love it. Like we'll, we'll get like, Hey, I'm working out because you're inspiring me to work out. Like I haven't picked up a weight in a while, but I see you do it every day. And I, I love that. Or like, Hey, I love that you're always taking your daughter or, you know, the kids someplace cool. Like you're going to the zoo or you're going to an adventure trampoline park or you're doing something. You're, you're present, you're there and you're always finding something to do. And I love that you give me ideas to do something with my kids. And even if it's like sitting around and drawing, like, I mean, what's it called? Goop. Have you ever made goop? The, oh, oh, I thought you meant the Gwyneth Paltrow site, which is called no. Goof. But no, I know what you're talking about. And I do not let my kids know this exists because <laughs> I know too many people who got it in the carpet and never got it out. Yeah, thankfully I have oh. hardwood floors, but it, you know, it's the <laughs> cornstarch and the food coloring yeah. and, and the yeah. water thing. Oh, I'm thinking of slime, but yes, I remember Goop as a child. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's Goop. I mean, maybe I did get yeah. it confused with Gwyneth Paltrow's site, but. <laughs> It's something like uh, we were watching, I was watching with her Netflix, like there's a science show uh-huh. and they had something where you, oh, I remember it's not goop. It's Ooblek. Ooblek, yes. 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 It's like so, Oblisk, but not <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah. And so I made the Ooblek. I got the, the cornstarch and all the ingredients and the food coloring and we made it. And like it lasts for all of an hour before it gets really dry, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, if you could get one bottle of whiskey or uh, yeah, of whiskey for father's day, what, what would you, what would be on your wish list? I mean, it's tough. Are we talking about like general release or specific year here? Like what? Yeah, I'm saying you could pick one bottle to unwrap. could be anything. Oh, man. I will say this. I have never tried a pre-prohibition, and I would just love to try pre-prohibition whiskey. I think, you know, I've had 30s and 40s and 50s, but I've never had that stuff that, like, was Russian roulette. You didn't know what was really in the bottle. Um, Yeah. Could have been a rectifier. Could have been something else. You have no idea. I haven't tried any of that stuff, and I'm dying to. I mean... But there are things I love, you know, pre-fire Heaven Hill is always a good time. And then I love Four Roses. There are some some of those limited edition small batches that wish I had stocked more up on the shelf. Um, George T. Stagg, I always just say, if I can get that every year, one bottle of it. I know everybody's doing the, the allocation race and going to raffles and all that stuff, begging store owners. I'm like, if I could get stag, I'm happy as a Brown Foreman person. uh, Jack Daniels barrel proof is the best damn thing. That's coming out of Tennessee. I, there are other great things coming out of Tennessee as well. Like Chattanooga whiskey and Nelson's Greenbrier and, and, uh, you know, old Dominic and, a whole bunch of good stuff that's coming out of Tennessee, but that barrel proof is definitely special. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's, it's yeah, like, you, you kind of walk and you stumble and you're like, Oh, this one's really good. And then this one's really good. And it's like, just find something you like drink blind. That's what I would tell people. Everybody's always like, what whiskey should I get for this? And I'm like, well, what do you like? Do you like sweet? Do you like spicy? Do you like hot? Do you like smooth? And I know people hate the word smooth, but like sometimes it's an appropriate word. 
and yeah. maybe replace it with easy drinker. But do you like something that doesn't burn you very much when you drink it and that <laughs> is easy to drink? Um, yeah. But I always tell people, taste it blind. Have three things there. Have somebody else pour it for you. Figure out what mash bill you like. Figure out if you like a high rye bourbon, a low rye bourbon. Do you like a rye? Do you like a Kentucky rye opposed to a 95.5 where it's 95% rye and 5% barley? Like Kentucky ryes are normally in the 50s and 60s for the rye content. So figure out what you like. Go for that. And who cares what anybody else is drinking? Like, I love these things on social media where people post it. It's like, should I open this bottle? It's like, well, have you had it? Do you like it? Like, why are you asking everybody else <laughs> to tell you? Figure out your own palate. Yeah. No, that's that's great advice. Um, so I guess moving into the social media realm, you know, I see that you, your tagline is hashtag rethink how you drink. Can you talk a little bit about that? A hundred percent. I mean, it's everything that I was just saying, right? Like, don't look at a label and be like, oh man, guess what? Pappy is overrated. Everybody that's trying to get Pappy Van Winkle because they heard it mentioned in Wedding Crashers or whatever else was going on. Like a lot of it, the, the 23 year is oaky and it goes for a couple grand on secondary where like you don't need to spend $200 on a pour when you're at a bar to be cool. There are plenty of $20 bourbons that are really cool. So when we had more time and this was kind of like when our kids were not mobile and you know, like, do you have kids? I should have asked you. I do. I have twin boys that are turning nine in a couple two days. So it gets easier. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, like, remember though, yeah. when you could put them on the floor, they wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And you were tired and you thought you were tired. And then like the second they started moving, you're yeah, like, Oh yeah. crap, I'm really tired now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like back in those times, we could do more blinds and <laughs> it yeah. just takes a long time to set up a blind um, because you're drinking through it all. You don't know what it is, your nose and your taste and you're, you're spending a little bit more time with it. We always try to spend a lot of time anyway on one. So to spend that much time on three to five, it was like, all right we need to be able to actually record a show. We don't have enough time to drink through five. Yeah. Um, but we would always try to take a big name release and put it up against a budget bottle. So like we would put old Rip Van Winkle up against the Weller Antique store pick, you know, at the time that they were still 30 bucks a bottle before they got raised to 60. So it was like, all right, here's this big name Van Winkle line and and guess what if you do it blind and you get a really good Weller antique store pick it's not that much difference it's yeah. really not I mean it's the same mash bill yes there's a little more age but like you can find those budget ones we tried to put a stag junior up against a George T stag that did not go so well that George C set but but then a couple of years ago, there have been some really good batches of Stag Jr. So, I, and apologies for people that don't know everything about bourbon. I'm, I'm trying no, to talk yeah, somewhat yeah, yeah. generally, but I'm getting specific on a little bit of the brands. But so essentially rethink how you drink. It's like, don't just think because something has a big label or big name that it, it's going to be the best thing ever. It's like, question it. And not even just sit there and blindly go, Hey, I love this. I mean, if, if I know you listen to a couple of our podcasts, but we try to think about the variables. So if we don't like it, it's not our favorite. It's like, Hey, I wonder where this was aged or, you know, was it high up in the Rick house? Was it low in the Rick house? Like, we don't know. These are all questions that eventually we'd love to have everyone on and ask them. Yeah. But, I don't think it's fair to the distilleries to just be like, Hey, this is really good or this is not good. And then not talk about it and not have that discussion of like, what makes it so good? Or if it's not your favorite, why isn't it your favorite? 
and at least yeah. give them that respect. There's plenty of people that will do reviews and be like, this is garbage. Okay. Why? You know, Hey, maybe I think it was aged. I, I looked at the label. I see that it was aged on the sixth floor. Maybe it got a little bit too much heat and, uh, and it just cooked it and made it really oaky and was going back and forth too much in the wood and all that oak came through and, and really made it dry. And for us, that wasn't good. Somebody else might be sitting there and being like, man, I love oak bombs. I just love it when my whiskey's oaky. I, I yeah. love having it with the cigar. That's a beautiful thing about whiskey, but it's also like, don't take everything at service value. You might see all these people that are relabeling, like, so they're sourcing whiskey and they're putting it out. Perfect example there. And I'm not going to call brands out by name, but there are brands that go buy a whole bunch of stuff from George Dickel. And they're not going to say it's George, you know, they say it's Tullahoma bourbon and the, they put it out at like 200 bucks or 150 bucks, but George Dickel single barrels are still sub 50 and they're the age the same. And they're just as good. It's like, rethink how you drink don't go look at this label and be like oh man this is awesome i'm gonna go get this for 200 bucks it's like you can get the same thing for 50 bucks just call a friend that knows where to get a barrel i struggled with pricing when i moved from kentucky to colorado because you know a lot of the whiskeys here are 60 70 dollars and it's like they're aged for just a couple years and i'm like wait a second like i could get like this kentucky bourbon that's aged way longer for half the cost but then you go through this whole thing, you know, you get to know these guys and it's like they're, they have this craft distillery and, you know, they don't have the scale and you're like, okay, I see why you're charging more, but it is this, you know, just looking at price is not <laughs> a good, but measure. there's a line and I, I totally agree with you, right? Like they, they get a craft bump and for people that this is kind of what sets us apart where we sit here and have the BS component as to why. I'm big on the economics and the business side of stuff. Zeke's more about like, Hey man, this tastes good. So <laughs> I'm looking at it like, all right, you're a craft distillery. Your grain prices are not going to be as good as the, the wild turkeys and the Buffalo traces and the 1792s and the heaven Hills. Like you're just not going to get those prices. Number one, everything they're doing, you know, look at Tennessee, right? right? Jack Daniels makes, the most whiskey in the whole entire world. They are the number one whiskey brand in the whole world. Who do you think gets the best glass prices? Who do you think gets the best shipping costs? Who do you think gets, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and vicariously through that brands like old Forester and Woodford reserve get those pricing too, because they're part of the Brown Foreman umbrella. Um, and, you know, small craft distilleries don't get that hookup. And they also, you know, it, it even goes down the line to distributors and giving distributors, people don't understand, like these distributors are incentivized by the brands to sell this stuff. So you might go be like, oh man, we got to get everybody to buy Old Foe. Sorry, we got to get everybody to buy Old Forester because that's what the, the distributor incentive is for this month. And if we do that, we're going to get a big gift card, like a $200 Amex gift card, whoever sells the most old Forester. So everybody's out there selling it. You know, the guys at Joe Schmo craft distillery don't have the resources to incentivize everybody like that. Yeah. And then they got to put into their budget. It's like, they're already spending more for grains. They're spending more on glass. They're spending more on bottling. Maybe they had to source the whiskey, so they're already spending money to, to get that whiskey in the first place. Buying a still and hooking that up, I mean, that's a couple million dollars right there to actually make a distillery. So these craft distilleries are in the hole right from the get-go. And I understand there's a little craft bump. What I don't like is when it's too much of a bump. Like you have a five year and you're putting it out at a hundred bucks. Like, okay, we get your craft. That's yeah. a stretch, right? Like yeah. I know the hipsters want to buy artisanal crap, but like 
chill. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's tough. There's a, a distillery called Deer Hammer in Colorado, and I was at a whiskey event, and they had bumper stickers that said, we don't care that you're from Kentucky. <laughs> and I had my friends in Kentucky there, and they're like, I don't know if I like this. And I was like, don't say anything. <laughs> I was like, and then they got very offended at that. But I'm like, wow, they must get a lot of people. I don't think it matters. Some of that stuff, I just think it's like, and you want to root for those people that that's what happens is they get the local people and they really want to root for them and they do better. And Tennessee has actually done, and even in Nashville has done a very good job at craft distilleries have lowered prices. So as they've been more established, you know, H Clark around here and uh, Pennington and Nashville craft, a whole bunch of these places, their prices went down to, more around that 50 to 60 dollar level uh they were up a little bit higher and you know you got to commend them for that as the business gets better and you know but then i also commend distilleries like chattanooga whiskey in the in the area yes i'm not talking about kentucky for everywhere but there you know kentucky has a lot of established brands they don't have as many craft brands and chattanooga whiskey made it a, an ethos to always kind of have good pricing and their 91 proof is 30 bucks and their 111 is 40 bucks. And yes, some stores are going to have it at 35 to 45, but you know, they were like, we're going to put out a good product at a good price. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's they, they say whiskey to the people. So that's kind of their slogan and they live what they preach. So I think there are craft distilleries that can do it and some are doing it a little bit more and, and there are excuses. I mean, you always hear different rationale from different places and some places tell us, well, that's where the distributor tells us we need to be. And it's like, well, you can still kind of set the price. Like you could set what the MSRP is. I understand the distributor has a hand in it, but like if that distributor is pushing you to, to a certain place and find another distributor. And, you know, you want the people, I think it's also like, if you build it, they will come. If you build it the right way and you're not trying to kind of screw people out of 10 extra bucks per bottle, the people will come back. I think it's very easy to get people to buy one bottle. The bigger trick is, are you going to buy, get them to buy two, three, four, five? Yeah. That is challenging. I can, I can think of just a handful of brands that I actually repeat purchase. That's a good point. And you go, they'll get you, they'll pull on your heartstrings. You'll be like, Oh man, this guy's story or this girl's story or this distillery story is so good. And then you're like, all right, I'll get a bottle. And then you kind of get it and you're like, all right. I mean, it's good, but is it better than the $20 old tub I can get? I don't know. (laughs) That's a challenge. Yeah, it's tough being craft sometimes. Um, so, you know, looking at social, what's your favorite platform to be on? None of them. None of them? You don't I like mean, social? So <laughs> social has become one of those things. We always use it as the, the fishing line. You know, it's the lure that's going to try to get people into the podcast. I think there are so many people that try to game social that it gets frustrating like people that have pods and follow pods and they're all commenting on each other's stuff and trying to get engagement stuff up. And like, I think the problem is with the social component, a lot of people will reach out to us and say the influencer word and like, Hey, you're, you're an influencer. So we want to reach out to you in whiskey. That influencer word has a connotation that I'm looking for free crap. And that's not what we're about. You know, like I'd rather go buy a bottle myself than owe anybody anything. So when people are like, we sent you this, where's our our post on it? Okay, well, that's not what we're about. Like if if we can't be bought, we both have good day jobs. I'm not trying to even go there. So yeah. that, that's the first problem is that like it becomes transactional and I don't like that. Like I'm not in it 
for the transactional stuff. Are there brands I partner with that like I want to support and that want to support me? A hundred percent. But most of the people that we work with, I always say, okay, if we're going to do something together, call me. Like I want to have a phone conversation with you and I want to know what you're about and who you are. And I want you to know what I'm about, who I am. And like, let's figure out if both of us want to do something together. But I very rarely will ever do anything sight unseen like, hey, Mr. Influencer, we like your social media. Can we work with you? Um, Yeah. But the way that I explain it to people is Instagram for at least in whiskey, right? Instagram is where people go to look for porn. Not that many people go on Twitter. And by porn, I mean bottle porn. Like somebody's okay. posting a, a not, <laughs> yeah. not porn like, you know, it's right. like, hey, here's a bottle of whatever. And everybody likes it. And you're not reading the caption on Instagram. You're just looking at the pictures. It's very visual. Okay. Facebook is where all the engagement actually happens on whiskey. And it's a lot of people posting in groups, you know, there, there's your regular kind of whiskey group that you're a part of. Then you might be a part of like a couple national pages and then whatever else you're doing. But even a lot of it is going on too. in like Facebook messenger and whole groups of people together having, you know, doing whatever groups of friends do that are on group chats. And yeah, it just becomes, you know, it's tough because sometimes it's like, Instagram will change the algorithm and they'll kind of push alcohol content down and you're not getting a whole bunch of likes because Facebook and Instagram decide like, we're not going to let that happen today. And at least in a Facebook group, you know, that information's not going to get suppressed because like you are in a group that's all about bourbon and everybody's posting about bourbon on those other platforms. You're, you're still kind of competing with everything that's out there in people's feeds. Um, Twitter, you know, there's only a couple people that really use Twitter for whiskey. And uh, most people are using Facebook and Instagram. Okay. It's interesting you say that because so most of my team are in their 20s. Well, they all are in their 20s, but me. And so when I tell them, I'm like, yeah, you know, you need it. We need to have a Facebook page. They're like, why? They're like, you know, do I have to have this Facebook account? I'm like, yes. Because <laughs> like, there, there's a world of people that still use it. And it just makes me, you know, kind of go think about whiskey and just, you know, is it skewing older? And is that one of the reasons Facebook's so relevant? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I think it, it's not, it's kind of like golf, right? Like you might be golfing the municipal things when you're younger and you don't have a lot of money. And then like, as you progress in your career, then you can have some different stuff. Like, you know, you can afford to get the limited edition whiskey when you're a little bit older, you might still just be drinking Jim Beam white label when you're 22, because you got student loan debt, you're doing all this other stuff. It's like, as you get older and your career progresses, you get to do cooler crap in your hobbies. And, and that's kind of where bourbon comes into play. I mean, I haven't even brought up TikTok because there is. Well, that's my next question. There the is 60 a bourbon review. Well, yeah. And there is a yeah. very, very good, uh, healthy bourbon whiskey following on TikTok. I have a problem with it. Like, I just think as a dad that is almost 40 and the majority of TikTok videos are younger girls dancing, I just kind of like feel weird on TikTok. (laughs) And I will make you feel better because I'm 43 and I'm on it all the time. And when the pandemic hit, there was a bunch of people in the 40s and 30s that got on and so the content has changed dramatically over the last year okay because i felt like creepy like i i checked out tiktok one day and i'm like i shouldn't be here like (laughs) i am a girl dad i feel inappropriate yeah 
I mean, I guess it's like, it depends what you watch, but like my feet is at the point where I never get the girl dancing videos because the, you know, it gives you more of what you watch. So, okay. Cause I haven't logged in in like a year. So this, okay. <laughs> this is probably something I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, mean, I, I personally love it. There's a lot of people though, that will repost like their TikTok videos to, um, Instagram reels and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the content is being shared across multiple things. It's, it's also like, I don't want to sound like the weird dad. That's like being the bummer in the room, but at the same time, like I look at our content and I look at everything that's kind of, we are putting out there as a society, not all of it's necessary. Like I know we're entertaining each other and I know I struggle trying to limit social media more than I, you know, cause I'm doing everything and I love Zeke, but like I'm doing the business side of it. I'm doing the editing. I'm doing, you know, getting the guests. I'm talking to the brands to get sample bottles. If, if they are sending us stuff, um, you know, all the people that reach out to us, I handle the email page. I handle the Instagram page. I'm modding our, our Facebook group. And like, there's points where I'm just like, all right, I'm out. I need a break. Yeah. And I'll like, I'm man enough to say this, like I'll go watch the whole thing of the office or I recently rewatched the OC and I have no problem telling Whoa. people that. <laughs> I love it. And I, I love, I'm a sucker for like a good teen soap opera, like Dawson's Creek or the OC. I mean, it just takes yeah. me back to, growing up you know and like i watched the oc and i'm like all this music you forgot like remember when tv <laughs> shows act like this was pre-social media it kind of comes into play right like yeah. you heard of all these bands on that show that you wouldn't have known of before like rooney was a great example like they were on that show and then all of a sudden people were like oh man you get the new rooney album and it's like we were all on AOL instant messenger. That's the way that people talked back then. Yeah. And now look where we are. People were worried about like dancing TikTok videos. And yeah, I just, I have a nostalgia for like that nineties, early 2000 stuff that where the world was a completely different place. Yeah. I mean, I remember dial up. I tell oh, my yeah. kids and I'm just like, I just remember that sound and being like, let it work. <laughs> like, I had Prodigy. That was the first one I had. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Wow. And like even going yep, into I chat know. rooms and doing ASL. <laughs> like I don't think my parents let me in chat rooms. So I don't I never really did a lot of chat rooms, but see, I lucked out that my sister was five and a half years older than me. So like okay. there was no way they were parental controlling that stuff because it's like well she gets to do everything and they weren't <laughs> going to be like she's going to do that and then he's not yeah <laughs> lucky you <laughs> what's your favorite platform um i mean so it's funny you say that so i have been doing so i've had my company for 11 years now and we focus on social media. So I rarely ever post on my personal social media because to me it's become so work focused. But TikTok is honestly something that just makes me laugh. And it's like no one's trying to like, you know, show the prettiest picture. It's just like, this is real. And I don't know, it just makes me laugh. I know I'm way too old to be honest. No, I just don't get the ones where they're taking other people's audio and they're acting it out. Yeah, that's the t- like you have to watch it for a while and then you start to see the trends and you get it and you're like, yeah, this is hilarious. And then you watch all the different takes on it. It's Trust like me. <laughs> tell me you're old without telling me you're old. I don't get TikTok. Yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm just and I I had this thing the other day where I'm like, I remember when I was younger and my mom was like, I'm cool. I'm not old. Right. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm still a cool mom, aren't I? And then I'm like, wait, I think I'm the cool dad, but I'm old. Like, 
there are things that I, that happen in my life where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm not the same person I was before. Like I'm not cool anymore. You seem cool. If that, I try to be. I'm not cool, and I'm telling you, you're cool. So <laughs> I don't know. It could just be a compiling. <laughs> well, I think we're about... both cool. I think we're both okay, cool. Well, I mean, I watched Laguna Beach and OC <laughs> and all that. So. The hills. <laughs> the hills. Yeah. Um, so, so talking about reels, I, I noticed you use that. Do you do you find that it that it helps your no like, engagement? No. I mean, we, we rarely use them and, and we don't use them enough. Um, and even like the whole thing, like somebody said to me the other day, you do selfies. I didn't expect you to be a selfie guy. And I'm like, I'm not, I begrudgingly do selfies. I think I have a face for radio. There's just something where I could tell you, like I post and it totally depends on the bottle. So I could post Pappy Van Winkle or a Buffalo Trace Antique collection or something that is a really hard to find bottle that is well known, it'll get tons and tons and tons of likes. And then you post one of those craft distilleries and you might not get as many likes or you have to think of a cool way to do the picture. Like I, I love doing some flashlight stuff behind the bottle sometimes and making it look cool and kind of artsy and then editing the photo after. But at the same time, it's like there are certain brands that if I know I post that bottle, it's going to get 2,000 likes. And if I post something else, it's going to get 100. And so does that hurt your feelings? I mean, are you able to take that like when you get the 100 versus the 2,000 or is it a disappointment still? Oh, no. I mean, I, I think if we cared, it would be a completely different thing. It's like... At the same time, I went through a period of caring. Um, We also still have 51,000 people that have followed us. And it's important to stay humble because when brands reach out to you, 51,000 still is not many. And, you know, it's like... In the whiskey world it is, though. Yeah, but whiskey's growing a little bit more and and there's more and more people, but like, um, it still isn't that many. Like there are brands that I've worked with that have been very surprised and they're like, we normally don't work with people that have your follower account. We normally work with people that have more Mm -hmm. and then we'll throw up a code and they get a hundred orders in a month and they're like, oh my God, I'm so happy. I didn't think it would perform like that. Um, And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we have highly engaged for dads and, and it's not just dads. I mean, there's other moms and non dads and non moms watch and listen to us. Like, I think it's just, um, if you get caught up in social media too much, it's going to kill you. And yes, like notice the trends. I can notice when like, like counts are down a little bit, maybe Instagram changed the algorithm a little bit. And and I noticed that kind of stuff, but I can't let it ruin my life. And, and I'm still looking at it like, Hey, if I post this picture, one new person that doesn't listen to our show might listen to our show from this picture, then like, cool. Cause our whole end goal, if our end goal was just social media, then yeah, I'd probably care a little bit more, but like, I yeah. care about, did you download our podcast okay. rather than did you like our picture? Okay. That makes sense. Definitely. Um, so what about the merch? Is that something that you're going to get more into? I saw you have like t-shirts and glasses and. So we have to do new t-shirts that that link is actually down. Um, we had t-shirts for a little bit and then we're, we're looking for a new t-shirt home, but really the glasses started as a marketing thing. And I was like, man, if we could throw our logo on the side of a Glen, because everybody in bourbon is, you know, having the glass next to the bottle that they're drinking for that night. So yeah if they're putting dad drinking bourbon out there, that's a whole bunch of people that are marketing for us 
without even marketing for us. So like at first we didn't make any money off the glass, you know, and even so, like, I think we make a buck a glass. Like it's not like we're rolling in the dough on it. I look at it like everybody should have a dad's drink of bourbon glass and they should always post with the dad's drink of bourbon glass. And then maybe that gets more people to listen to us or, you know, Hey, if somebody's wearing a shirt, and like somebody sees it and goes, Hey, that looks cool. Maybe somebody will listen to us. But like, I, again, it's all kind of going back to the podcast itself, right? Like the social media thing's cool. And, and I understand we're a whiskey podcast. Like our social media component is probably worth more than the podcast side of it, but it was always something for us to do. Yeah. Like we started this when we had young kids and like my daughter was super colicky. So I would rock her to bed for a couple hours every night. And I would take a picture of whiskey and I'd put it on the gram and then make it look pretty and all that kind of stuff. And then Zeke and I were like, Oh, let's start a blog. That might be cool. And then I started writing stuff and he did not. So then we quickly moved to, what has he um, done? I'm trying to figure out what he's bringing to the party here. He's Actually. bringing, he is one of the better analysts in the game. And okay. I will say like, <laughs> Zeke is a person that you can't replicate. Like he is a very real person and he might tell one of the most outrageous stories about, you know, things that would gross people out. But like, <laughs> he just kind of has like, he has these anecdotes and like, just he's Zeke. Like he brings a humor to it. Yeah. And it's kind of like him and I are yin and yang a lot of times. And that, that point counterpoint really just makes things special. Um, and there's nobody else like him ever that I've ever met. Like he is who he is unapologetically. And it's that realness that, is special and makes our show special because we're all about, again, you know, honesty and integrity. And and I don't think his, you know, his nose and palate are very, very, very good. And, um, and he has a great way of describing things. So for all the hell I give him that he doesn't do anything, he does a lot in what he brings to the show. And, like he just doesn't know how to edit and he doesn't know how to tag people and he doesn't know how to edit pictures to make them look good. Like that's fine. I'm going to take what I can get with him because he's very, very good at the things that he does. So yeah. I would say like, are, are you an I, iPhone or an Android person? IPhone. I'm an iPhone too. Right. Yeah. And, and iPhones probably do everything, a little bit of everything. And they don't do like the best, right? Like it's very user-friendly. It's easy to use. Uh, you, you know how to get from point A to point B. That's more me, right? The Android, it might not do as much. It might be harder to figure out than, than the iPhone, but it does a couple of things really, really, really good that the iPhone doesn't do. That's Zeke. That's Zeke. He's the Android. I like it. I like it. I just well, came up with that on the spot, but yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, just real quick, if if you know, looking at your journey, what have you learned? If you were going to give someone some tips, who said, you know, I might be starting my own whiskey Instagram account or social media account, like what have you learned from like your first picture, your first post to today? Like what what lessons have you learned? Post regularly, you know, one post a day, uh, but you don't have to drink every day. I mean, let's be real. You can find ways to post things. Um, You know, I always, on a side note, I hate people that are posting, or I hate when people post closed bottles, like sealed bottles, because there's so many scammers out there. There's a big problem on whiskey social media that people are reaching out saying like, Hey, I have these products. You can buy them for me. And I get people that reach out all the time and say, like, if there's somebody who reaches out to you and says, pay me on cash app. And I have all these whiskeys and I'm from Bardstown. 
they do not have them and they are going to scam you and they are stealing pictures. I mean, they do that with me all the time. They steal pictures of me and that's why I hate the selfie thing. Um, and, and unfortunately the pictures with selfies do better than pictures that don't, but, um, they'll take selfies of me and say that they're me and that they have these items for sale. And then you go to try to report it to Instagram and Facebook and, they say that they haven't done anything against the community standards. And at the same time, it's like, I know they are trying to scam people out of money to sell bourbon illegally. And they're not even really selling it. They have no bourbon to sell. They have a picture and they're saying that they're me and it doesn't go against the community standards. I don't understand it. Um, And that's the problem. A hundred percent. Using you. Yeah. You're the captain. Right. And at least get somebody better looking, you know, like, <laughs> and um, if you're going to do it, I mean, there are plenty of like, you go, go get some other guy that looks better than me. I, I don't know. It's like, whatever, but I try reporting it. I can't, I, I try reporting it. It goes nowhere. I can't even talk. It gets me so upset. Um, But I mean, it's a grind. You you have to comment. You have to engage with other people as much as you're going to engage on your own posts. So like if you can only do one thing, you know, comment on all the people that comment on your post and then comment on the people that tag you in their posts, show them that if they tag you, you, you have, um, you know, you have the best intention in mind to, to you know, keep that up with them. Like, thank you. I'm going to comment on your post and help you out. I try to do it. Like when I go to the gym in the morning, I always warm up on the, the bike and then I go to the elliptical and then I go do weights. And that time I'm on the bike is the time where I catch up on everybody that tagged me and make sure that I commented on everybody that um, commented on my post. But, and that's from somebody that, doesn't really worry too much. I mean, I know that there are people that have figured out that it's the amount of five word comments you get within the first hour determines if it's going to go up in the news feed or not. Like I'm not going that far. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to it when I'm on the bike in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good point. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to lose weight, it's like eat healthy exercise. And if you want to grow your page, it's like, you got to do the basics, but you're right. Sometimes it just gets exhausting, you know, interacting, but you have to. And, and there have been plenty of moments the first couple of years where my wife was like, put the phone down, put the phone down, put the phone down. And now I'm just like, you know what? I'm putting the phone down. Like I'm having dinner with my family, like the phone's away. And you have to have a balance. So as much as you have to do those things and it's a grind and you have to decide, is this something you're devoting yourself to or are you spending time with the family and are you making sure you're, you're present in the present rather than like being present in your phone? Yeah, that's great advice. Definitely. Well, I know it's, getting late for you. So I don't, no, I think I've kept good. way over your 30 minutes, but I mean, this has been like great advice, both on the whiskey and social front. I love it. Um, and I, I remember you guys, we, we do work with the uh, old forge distillers. So you probably know Chris Tatum through oh, the yeah. guild. Uh, yeah. Tatum so, and Keener. Yeah, Keener, Keener and Tatum are my boys. Um, and I'm actually going out to pigeon forge this weekend, but Tatum is now on a, so I love Tatum. We give each other a lot of hell. He's like a really good friend. Um, so is Keener, but Tatum is now doing company distilling with Jeff Arnett and Heath Clark. And uh, yeah. I was just out there for the last month. There was a big press conference and I know I'll be doing a, a podcast with him and, and Jeff and uh, Heath here as well pretty soon. But th- those guys are the best and, Tatum used to be Chris Tatum was the president of the Tennessee distillers guild. I've done many, uh, an event with him. And if you go back and look at the archive of, um, dad's drinking bourbon, 
Keener and I have done a show together. Uh, Chris has been on a few of the Grains and Grits shows. And uh, Keener yeah. and I actually have played guitar together a few oh, times. Cool. And uh, he, he is super talented. Not only is he a great distiller, um, he is a great guitar player as well. So that is a, a fun fact about him. Uh, well, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. And um, I mean, I couldn't think of a better guest for Father's Day. All right, everybody. That wraps up another episode of Eat, Drink, Social. If you have a story to share or know somebody who does, please reach out to us at ipgagency.com. <laughs>